You're listening to Run With The Bulls, a podcast discussing a unique approach to everyday finance with everyday people. Run With The Bulls is sponsored by Mentoro, a financial wellness company. Now, your hosts, author Danny Kofke and the royalty of financial wellness, Whitney Queen. Welcome to Run With The Bulls. My name is Danny Kofke and I'm a motivational mentor with Mentoro. I'm joined by the president of Mentoro, Whitney Queen. Hey, Whit. Hey, Danny, and hello to everyone listening. So today's topic can be a little overwhelming for many. We're going to discuss investing. So this is part two to our investing series. And yet again, we are joined by our resident expert, Casey Stegman, who has spent 20 years in various aspects of the financial services industry. Hey there. Hello. Glad to be with you all today. Yes. Good. So good to have you on. I mean, it, this can be so, you know, such a tough topic to talk about. Um, but kind of the highlight, remember, we talked about short-term investing and that was money that we wanted for something in the short term, right? Long-term is money we want, I, I'm saying like in five years or more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with short-term investing, we would usually look to put our money in places that are not too risky. For instance, maybe a savings account or a certificate of deposit. However, for long-term investing, we need to look at other types of investments that can help us earn more interest. A very common way for many to invest for long-term is by purchasing stocks. So Casey, can you tell us what that is? Sure. Yeah. Um, pretty simple explanation. A stock uh, or otherwise known as an equity um, is a share of ownership in a specific entity. So um, the most common obviously would be the stock of a company, a public company or a private company or a share, uh, share in a public or private company. Uh, but yeah, but ultimately what it boils down to um, a stock is a uh, is a shared interest or um, a, a mutual interest in a specific company. Okay, I see how that works. Mm-hmm. Makes total sense. So let's say I wanted to buy some stocks. How would I go about doing that? Yeah, I mean, there are two basic ways of buying a stock. So you could buy single stocks of a company or you could invest in a mutual fund. Uh, a mutual fund. I've heard of that, but I don't really understand what it is. Can you please mansplain it to me? I, I will let uh, let our good friend Casey, he has more experience with this. So uh, let him kind of let us know what the ins and outs of a mutual fund are. Yeah, no, uh, good question. Uh, and it's something that everybody uh, who has or anybody who has a 401k or, or any real investments probably has some exposure to a mutual fund. But uh, essentially what it is, is it's a managed a basket of stocks uh, or bonds in a specific industry sometimes or that share some common uh, characteristic, either they're all small stock, uh, small cap stocks or they're the same, uh, they're all real estate related or they could be energy related. Uh, there are various uh, themes or uh, styles of mutual funds, but essentially it's an active, actively managed by a professional uh, por- who are called a portfolio manager and they make all the buys and sells in that uh, specific mutual fund. You do pay a fee for that management, uh, which is uh, usually uh, anywhere in between probably 50 basis points and two or three percent um, of your return for that professional to manage that uh, that mutual okay, fund. Okay, let's but, back up just one second. Yeah. So basis points, I've heard. So explain what basis points for, for the, you know, people yeah. that, that kind of get confused by that term. Yeah, it's just a fancy way of saying a, a fraction of a percentage, right? <laughs> yeah. So a half a percentage is 50 basis points. Yep. Um, 10 basis points would be a tenth of a percent, right? So it's just a, it's a, it's a fancy term to, to uh, describe a shared, or a percentage, I should say, of a percentage. <laughs> wow. So Danny also mentioned single stocks. So what about those? 
Yeah, so um, single stocks, uh, as I mentioned earlier, are it's essentially a shared interest in a specific company. So let's take um, Google, for example, uh, or Apple, or what have you. If you invest in uh, Apple, then you're going to own a percentage, albeit a small one for most people, um, in Apple, right? So that's your only investment as Apple uh, rises and falls. So does your investment, um, and it's a it's just a way to uh, to generate a return on a specific company that you may have an interest in. Would you say that it's risky to do that? Well, I can take that one. I mean, just even thinking about it, I mean, when you think of investing in Casey mentioned those companies, those are strong companies. But, you know, if you invest in just single stocks, all of your money is invested in one company. So investors can make money from purchasing single stocks, but it requires like time and effort spent learning as much as possible about that company. And I'll go back, I mean, probably a age myself, but there's a big energy company, Enron, back in the early 2000s, a lot of people, oh, and even the books, the, the accounting, it's a great company. And it went belly up. And you had people that not only worked for Enron, but all of their investments were in Enron itself. So not only did they lose their jobs, but they lost all of their investment money as well, because it was all with one company. Yikes. Uh, you know, it's that age old saying that you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, it sounds like, unfortunately, too many people had all their eggs in that basket. Yeah, and, and really what you're talking about when comparing a stock and a mutual fund is the word diversification. Uh, and that's just another fancy way of saying <laughs> not having all your eggs in one basket, right? So <laughs> yeah. uh, one of you asked the question, is it risky? Um, well, it just depends on what your objective is and how much of your, um, your, your allocation of, of investable assets you put into that stock, right? It can if, if you're just uh, putting a small percentage of your cash into a stock, well, it may go up uh, higher than a mutual fund, it may fall. So there's definitely inherent risk there. But, uh, but ultimately, and we can talk about this in a little while, um, you know, why you would invest in a stock versus a mutual fund. But I would, I would caution uh, individual investors, uh, it's an uphill battle when trying to trade stocks. I would, uh, it's you're competing essentially with those professional money managers that are managing the mutual funds. Uh, for buys and you know, there's high frequency trading and there's all kinds of of, uh, of pitfalls there in the in, in individual stock um, game. But uh, but some people love it. Some people love trading stocks, and it is a way that if you uh, if you manage the risk uh, in the right way, you can make more money. Yeah, you know, I think the interesting about like the stocks, I think a lot single stocks especially, is that like we would like to highlight the wins, right? So like when the Robin Hood a couple of years ago, yeah. I mean, you were highlighting ever all these people that made out, but you weren't talking about the people that lost a lot of money. It's yeah. very similar to Vegas. People point out the winners, oh, but most of us know, I mean, the casinos are a lot bigger than our houses for a reason, right? Yeah. They're making money. So I think that is kind of the tricky part. It's fun, it's exciting in the single stocks when you win, but I think sometimes the, the, the downfalls aren't highlighted as much as the boring old investing in a mutual fund. You're not going to be the talk of the cocktail party, right? Right, so right. That's, that a, that's be, a great way to put it. Yeah. Mutual funds are boring, but they're uh, safer, more, you know, for, for those looking to put away for the long term. Uh, there's there's really no comparison. Stocks are more fun. They're sexier, uh, but they're essentially gambling. When you're day trading, you're gambling. And, yeah. and trust me, you are not the house in this situation. <laughs> right, right. No matter how smart you think you are. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, so okay, now we kind of have a good understanding of what stocks and mutual funds are. So what do we need to do to start investing in these? Coming up after the break, the different types of retirement savings plans. Connect with us on social media. Search 
at Mentoro Group on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Welcome back to Run With The Bulls. Before the break, we discussed stocks and mutual funds. Um, so if I wanted to get involved in this, what would I do to start investing in these? Yeah, I mean, the great thing about your question is most of our listeners are probably, they already have a way to do so, and it's through a company-sponsored retirement plan. So like a 401k. Exactly. So when you, when you think of like a 401k, along with other types of plans that will be discussed, you can think of them more along as like a carton of eggs, right? So your investments are the eggs. The 401k is not what makes the money. It's just the container that holds the investments. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it is a tax um, shelter or haven or uh, it, it, uh, however you want to describe it. Mm -hmm. But essentially, it's a it's what's called a qualified plan. So there's qualified and non qualified investment accounts, a qualified account uh, is a tax protected, which means it's uh, either an IRA, uh, a 401k, these are shielded. So if you make uh, a return in a certain year, you're not taxed on that, that right. that tax is actually deferred, you are eventually, but you're not taxed in that year. Um, and so th that would be considered a qualified account. A non-qualified account is an investment account. It can be a long-term investment, uh, investment account that you can invest in stocks, mutual funds, bonds, whatever you want, but you're gonna be taxed every year on your gain. So uh -huh. the 401k, IRA, all of the, the, the 403b, those that you hear of, the corporate uh, retirement accounts, those are all tax protected, but only really deferred uh, is probably a more accurate way to put it because you do pay taxes on your gains eventually when you retire, but you don't have to pay on a monthly, on a, an annual basis, which is important because you're also earning on that money that you're not paying for taxes, right? So right. your principal that you're earning a return on stays higher than if you were to take out 20 or 25% in taxes each year. Sure, okay. And a lot of times, you know, when we talk to people about like a 401k or a 403b when we're dealing with a nonprofit, you know, the money is taken out pre-tax. So like, let's just say I invested $100 a month, right, through my through my company or if I work for the school district through the school. And let's just say, just to make the math easy, I'm in the 20% tax bracket. So that $100, really my purchasing power, if I didn't invest, I'd only have $80. After it got 20% tax, I'd have 80. But in this case, I'm investing that entire amount, that $100. So I'm getting that, in a way, the tax break right now up front. And then yes, I mean, Uncle Sam always gets his money. So down the road, when we take that money and get distributions, then of course we're gonna be taxed on it. But for right now, you're getting more bang for your buck up front when you use one of those vehicles. Yeah, and more earning power. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So that's, yeah, that was a good way of explaining it. So I think that's a really great benefit of a 401k, but are there any others? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we've talked a lot about uh, uh, saving on the taxes and the tax deferral, but um, one thing that I think people need to really understand when uh, considering should I, ret uh, should I invest three or four or five or six percent of my salary into my 401k, uh, A, yes, you should always, uh, you know, saving is never a bad thing and saving uh, in, a, in a manner where, again, you're saving pre-tax money uh, is a benefit. But uh, most companies, most organizations out there have some level of match. So essentially when your company has uh, a matching 401k plan and you're not contributing, you're just giving away free money. Uh, and so whether it's matched to 3%, some companies match all the way up to 6%, some I think can, can get higher than that. Um, if you can afford to live without that money for that month, 
uh, it will be well worth it because you will, in a lot of cases, double that money. Um, and uh, and so it, it may sting uh, in the short run. You may feel like you can't uh, do without that, uh, live without that hundred or two hundred or however money, you know, however much money it is. But make a few cuts in your everyday life uh, in some places that may you may not need. Um, we use the analogy, you don't, you know, you don't need a Starbucks every day. You don't need to eat a steak uh, once a week, find a way to save, contribute to your 401k. You get that match and it's, uh, it's like, uh, it's like rocket fuel to your 401k. Right. It well, really it's is. free money. And yeah. even let's just say you had a company match of 4%. Let's just say you invested 4%, got a free match of 4%. Even if the stock market, which it didn't, if it earned nothing right for the rest of your life, you have 4% that you're getting, like in essence, it, just by investing that of free money. So yeah, to your point, I think it's so important to kind of going back and we've discussed it before the budget, but analyze your budget if you're not investing so you can make sure that you're taking advantage of that free money. So, you know, we just talked about a, a 401k, right? So I've also heard of something called a 403b. What's that? It's essentially the same thing. It's just for, uh, I believe, state uh, employees. Um, so it's public, uh, like school, te- like when I was a teacher, yeah. I invested in a 403B. Yes, correct. Yeah. Not so. a 401k. So, okay. Like a yeah. nonprofit institution, basically. Yeah. Uh, a 401k is a corporate tax, uh, retirement account. Um, so it, it's, uh, uh, you'll only find those in, uh, private entities or, and when I say private, I mean for-profit businesses, 403Bs are not for profit. It's a, it's a retirement account, but it's the same, the same general principle, just depends on the organization that you're in. Okay. And then kind of, you know, maybe to sum up, um, you know, some of the different investment um, to topics or the investment way to, ways to invest. So you mentioned before we talked about the tax deferral. So mm-hmm. you, right now you get more bang for your buck up front. Let's just say you're someone right now that maybe you think, you know what, the way that the country's heading, taxes are going to rise through the roof in the next 20 years. Is there a way to invest and pay for the taxes right now? and then not pay for them later? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you've probably heard the term, it's called a Roth IRA. Um, so there's a traditional IRA, which is pre-tax money that you're um, taxed on when you withdraw, that even that principal uh, at the age of 59 and a half or, or whatever the, the law is at that time. Right. Um, and uh, there's a Roth IRA, which is a, you're putting in money that's already been taxed. It's post-tax money. So just cash in your bank account, you can put into a Roth up to a certain limit each year um, and you're earning on that. You're not taxed on, a, on an annual basis on your earnings. And then you're also not taxed when you withdraw at the end of uh, at retirement. You've already paid tax on that principal. So you're only being taxed on your earnings rather than the entire amount in the account. So uh-huh. in a traditional IRA, if you have $500,000 in the account, uh, you're going to be taxed when you withdraw on whatever amount you withdraw versus a Roth. You're only going to be uh, taxed on the on the gain. Okay. Wow. Okay. Very. Yeah. And just good to know all the different types of, uh, you know, vehicles that you can invest in. All right. So please remember to consult with a financial professional when discussing these and other types of investments. Uh, Danny, Casey, is there anything else that we should cover? Yeah. I mean, we're almost there, but after the break, a look at some more basics of investing. Connect with us on social media. Search at Mentoro Group on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Welcome back. So we've talked a little bit about the different types of investments, lots of numbers and letters that can be so confusing, but I think we've got it all straight. So I'm curious now, what are some other financial terms we may see when it comes to investing? Yeah, I mean, one of these terms that I've heard a lot is called dollar cost averaging. 
So I, I think what you may know what this one means. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, dollar cost averaging is a strategy in which you invest a set amount of money for retirement each month. You're not trying to time the market, but are buying investments when the market is up and when the market is down. Speaking of which, when the stock market is down, it is referred to as being a bear market. But when it is going up, it is said to be a bull market. I love how you threw bear and bull in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah very, very, very tricky. So why does dollar cost averaging work so well? Good question. So this is hypothetical, but let's say you received a tax return of $2,400 and you want to invest this entire amount into a mutual fund. You can invest this entire amount at one time. However, what if that was the exact day this fund reached an all-time high of $100 per share? You would have just purchased 24 shares. Um, so that's $100 mm -hmm. per share multiplied by 24 shares at $2,400. Mm -hmm. But let's say the next day the price dropped to $90 per share. Your $2,400 would now be worth only $2,160. Yeah, that would not feel good. And yeah. you know, a lot of times we talk here at Mentoro about behavioral finance um, and the, the issues with that. And that's where many people, you know, get into trouble. So Casey, when it comes to behavior, why is dollar cost averaging such a great ingredient for investing? Well, a couple of reasons. First of all, when you're talking about dollar cost averaging, um, you have to keep in mind that uh, over the history of time, the market has, over a 10 year period of time, has never gone down. Uh, it is, it always, uh, I say always, um, you never know what the future will hold, right? But but uh, historically speaking, uh, over a 10-year period, the market has never lost money. So uh, what Whitney pointed out is, um, and again, keep in mind, this is long. This is a long-term investment right, strategy right. that takes advantage of that principle. But uh, what happens is if you invest $100, a fund or a stock or what have you hits its 10-year high, and then it drops 10% overnight, it doesn't feel very good, uh, but at the end of the day, it is long-term money. Uh, now, the benefit of dollar cost averaging is if you do sustain one of those drops uh, on using your analogy of your $2,400, you've only lost 10% on $100. And oh, by the way, the next month you're buying on that dip, so you're getting more shares mm -hmm. for, your, for your, your more bang for your buck. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a tried and true strategy. It's the best strategy. Uh, it's essentially, as long as, the market uh, doesn't, you know, crash and stay gone forever, which then we've got bigger problems, right? <laughs> yes. um, it's, it's, it is as tried and true and as safe and uh, effective as any investment strategy. And I, I would uh, encourage anybody to research it. Obviously, we talk a lot. Don't, um, this isn't financial advice. This is just, uh, this is just a strategy that mm -hmm. uh, is very effective. It mitigates risk. It uh, enables you to diversify. You enter the market. Uh, at, at a, a number of different times as opposed to trying to time the market. Um, so it's a, uh, a very effective strategy and uh, I encourage everybody to take a look uh, and do a little research and, and uh, see if it's for you. So to recap, because I would agree, I think it is a really important strategy to consider. Using the dollar cost averaging strategy minimizes the impact of your losses when the market drops. Mutual funds and stocks are the one thing that many of us don't like to buy when they're on yeah. sale, right? Yep. However, looking long-term and recognizing when the economy is in a bear market allows you to increase how much you will have in retirement at a reduced cost. Right. Many get into financial trouble because of behavior and emotions. Uh, dollar cost averaging can help offset right. that. Yeah, and I can definitely see how this you know, help would help me stay the course because 
even on every nightly news. And I mean, they show every day what the stock market performs. So really, if we're thinking 20 years down the road, I really don't care what it did yeah. today. I mean, you want to keep an eye on it, of course, but it shouldn't dictate, oh, gosh, it's dropping. So I got to sell right now and get out. Dollar cost averaging, once again, to your point, it takes away the emotional investing out of it and you're sticking with the tried and true, uh, true measure. Um, so before we conclude, I also wanted to go over two more items we hear a, a lot about when it comes to investing. So the S&P 500 and the Dow. Casey, can you um, kind of go over what the Dow means? Yeah, so uh, what you're referring to, referring to by the Dow is the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It's a stock index, uh, so it's just a it's just a, a mechanism with which you can um, uh, monitor uh, market uh, performance. And the difference in the Dow and the S and P is pretty straightforward. The Dow is just twenty massive, large cap, uh, blue chip type companies, um, and which is not necessarily reflective of the overall market. So the Dow Jones Industrial Average, when it's up, uh, you know that the large cap, mega cap, blue blood stocks are are doing well. But uh, the S and P, on the other hand, by contrast, uh, is a uh, a measurement of 500 stocks, some small cap, some mid cap, some large across various industries. So it's a much more uh, accurate uh, indication of market performance. Um, uh, the two honestly couldn't be much different. They may be up on the same day, but they're, they uh, are, are vastly different in what they're measuring. Right, right. And, and I think basically what I've heard is they kind of, these both these indexes kind of provide a basis for how strong the U.S. stock market is at that you know point in time. Yeah, high level, uh, high level, yeah. yeah. Right. If you judge stocks by these two indexes, uh, they have done pretty well over the course of time, right? So the Dow averaged, I think, 7.75% annual growth from 1921 to 2019. Um, and the average annual return of the S&P 500 since its start, I guess, in 1926 uh, through 2018 is around 10%. Right. And kind of even going forward, um, you know, I bet since the last few years, the market has been up overall, it's probably even a little bit higher. So that's where, you know, when we talk about long term investing, kind of getting back to that, this is the average annual growth, right? So it doesn't mean that stocks are up every single year it's their average, right? So some years the market is up 15% and other years it could be down 20%. But however, when you track the data of these two indexes for almost 100 years, it shows the market averages almost 8% growth per year. Yeah, it's a pretty good return. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would take that right now. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. And you know, the great thing too, when, I, when you look back over that, and that, that's where you have to look at historical data. You think of the things that happened during these times. We had the Great Depression. We had 9-11, housing market crash. I mean, we had all these world events. And of course, the market went down during a lot of them. But then it just shows throughout history, it did come back. So I think, you know, the message I think to our listeners is that, yes, it can get scary. And I know when you turn on the news, you turn on CNBC after a bad day and, you know, Jim Cramer's going crazy and yelling and saying, oh, you got to get. Just remember, this is what history says, right? None of us in this room can predict what the stock market is going to do. If we could, I can guarantee you our podcast studio would look, it would be really nice. And it would be in the <laughs> middle of the Caribbean on a great island with a big old satellite dish, right? But we can't predict it. Uh, so we just have to look at what history tells us and just stay the course. Very, very true. So again, remember, anytime you're considering investing, you should consult with a financial professional to go over all the implications of your investment. Danny, thanks as always for taking the time to talk. Casey, I'm so glad you joined us again. And thank you all for listening. Catch us next time as we run with the bulls. 
Run with the Bulls is sponsored by Mentoro and hosted by Danny Kofke and Whitney Queen. Learn more by visiting mentorogroup.com.